Hello and happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. <laughs> I hope everybody has been very productive this week so far. And as always, I hope that you have been practicing remaining patient and loving with yourself. You deserve that compassion and kindness. Before we get started, I wanted to advise everyone of a potential trigger warning. I will be discussing sexually transmitted diseases and infections, slash infections. Complications of daily life caused by this emotionally and mentally. I want everybody to understand that this is a sensitive topic for many people. And I urge you to be compassionate, kind, and open to understanding the facts over the stigmas. Let's get started. So this information is a mixture from my own research from either medical sites or um, other websites that give in-depth information on STDs and STIs. STD, as most of you guys know, uh, stands for sexually transmitted diseases and STI stands for sexually transmitted infections. No matter which term people use, they're talking about the same thing for the most part. Infections that get passed from one person to another during sex. An infection happens when a virus, bacteria, or parasite enters your body and your immune system kicks in and, you know, tries to fight it. Disease happens when the infection causes symptoms, damage to parts of your body, and leads to illness. Many infections never develop into diseases. And most of the time, STIs never get to the disease stage. People may not even know that they have an STI. Actually, a lot of people actually go through their daily life. They don't even know because they don't have symptoms or they don't get tested regularly. STIs usually don't cause symptoms and they can often be treated and cured with medicine before they cause any kind of long-term issues. And it's an infection, not a disease, that gets passed between people during sexual contact. So using the term infection over disease makes more sense. I want to be clear here, though. Our society has always shamed sex in one form or another. Some have arguments that it's worse for women than it is for men. But at the end of the day, should you contract an, an STI? You're often shamed no matter what your gender is, which I personally don't agree with. I, it's bullshit. I know in earlier episodes which have since been removed pending review. I don't know if any of you guys have noticed. I mentioned and also shamed persons who may have STIs as persons unworthy of a relationship despite their circumstance, or I wasn't clear on that. And as I've mentioned before, circumstance changes everything. And while sex is an important part of a relationship, it's not the only aspect of a relationship. And through toxic cycles of conditioning, I have unfortunately fallen into and have placed that above everything else. Healing and learning more about myself, I do truly believe that no one deserves to be shamed or publicly called out for something very private and emotionally distressing. We all have a choice for whom we'd like to share space with. And while that's fair, so is discerning what is important when seeking out a solid relationship with people. If your potential sexual partner is letting you know what their status is, all right, or you ask and they disclose, 
You can choose if you want to proceed with that person based on that information. That's your choice. But understand that an STI or STD is not all that a person is. And oftentimes people can track them from individuals who either did not let them know because they didn't know themselves or felt too much personal shame to admit that to a partner. However irresponsible that may be, it's important to understand that in the small percentages of people that may maliciously pass something like that to you, and you know, I know that opens up a different avenue of betrayal, it's your responsibility to ask the right questions before becoming sexually active with a person. Personal responsibility is the key point here, folks. When personal responsibility is taken and safe spaces are available for a person to be honest with you, before anything gets too serious, and by too serious I mean you guys are fucking each other, that's where open communication happens. That's where being a mature adult happens. And we all have different circumstances here, and I want you all to understand that remaining without judgment, being safe, being smart, and communicative will open up a lot of possibilities for both sides of the spectrum. I want to go over, you know, the different STIs and, you know, STIs forward slash STDs. Because some of you guys, you know, don't really know or haven't been told or haven't done your research. So as the personal disclosure of information, I will go through this. The different kinds, the, at least the most common ones, the first one, HPV. Everybody knows what HPV is. Nearly every sexually active person, I'm going to say that again, nearly every sexually active person will have HPV at some point. It is the most common sexually transmitted infection in the U.S., and it's actually not even considered an STI by most healthcare providers because of how common and how easy it is to contract. More than 40 types of HPV can be spread sexually. You can get them through vaginal, anal, or oral sex, and you can even get them from skin-to-skin contact too. Most types of HPV have no symptoms and cause virtually no harm, and your body actually gets rid of it on its own. Some of them do or can cause genital warts. Others infect the mouth and throat. Others can cause cancer, uh, cervical cancer, or, you know, for men, cancer on the penis, the mouth, or the throat. Well, we all have a mouth and a throat, as far as I know. <laughs> all right, second one. Again, somebody that most people know about this one, chlamydia. Because of Mean Girls. When, you know, and I feel like a lot of us were kind of, you know, we joke about it, but that, you know, that movie might have kind of stuck with us. Like, you will get chlamydia and die, right? Um, chlamydia is also a very commonly reported STD in the U.S., and it's spread mostly by regular, you know, vaginal or anal sex you can get it through oral sex too sometimes you'll notice you know odd discharge pain or burning when you pee about 25 percent of women and 50 percent of men get symptoms chlamydia is caused by bacteria so it's treated with antibiotics after you get treated they recommend that you get retested in one one to three months even if your partner has been treated too check with your doctor and ask when it would be best to get retested to make sure that the infection is gone. All right, next up on the list, gonorrhea. We all know what gonorrhea is, or at least most of us do. I hope you do. But if you don't, I'm going to fucking go over it with you now. All right? It's another common STD. People 
pretty much get it with, uh, oftentimes get it with chlamydia. So you get hit with the old CG, right? Symptoms are pretty similar. Discharge, pain or burning when you pee. Um, most men with symptoms, most men uh, get gonorrhea symptoms. Um, and only 20% of women do. Also easily treated with antibiotics. Syphilis. Syphilis is one of the more tricky, you know, uh, tricky STIs. Um, in the primary stage, the main symptom is a sore. Sometimes syphilis is called uh, the great imitator because the sore can look like a cut uh, or an ingrown hair or a harmless bump. Uh, secondary stage starts with a rash on the body followed by sores in your mouth or in your genital areas. Symptoms usually disappear in the third or latent stage. The stage can last for years or the rest of your life. Only about 15% of people with untreated syphilis will actually develop the final stage. In the late stage, um, it can cause organ or nerve damage. It can also cause problems with your brain. Your doctor can give you antibiotics to treat syphilis in the earlier, you know, the earlier the treatment starts, the fewer antibiotics you'll need and the more quickly they'll work. All right, next up, herpes. Both strains of the herpes virus, right, herpes virus, HSV-1 and HSV-2 can cause genital herpes, but usually the culprit is HSV-2. The main symptoms of herpes is painful blisters in the genital area or your butt, your booty. Uh, you could get blisters inside your genital areas um, where you can't really see or feel them. Not everybody who gets herpes actually gets blisters. Herpes is very easy to catch. All it takes is skin-to-skin -skin contact, including areas that the condom doesn't cover. And you're most contagious when you have the blisters, but you don't need them to pass the virus along. Because herpes is a virus, you can't cure it, but you can take medication to manage it. Um, I, this one has always been difficult for me um, to pronounce, so I'm going to try not to butcher this. Uh, trichomonasis. Monasis. <laughs> I'm just going to call it tricky, all right? Most of us have seen it. Nobody really knows how to pronounce it unless you're in the medical field, but I'm going to call it tricky. More women than men get this. It's usually caused by a tiny parasite. Men and women um, can give it to each other through, you know, just regular vaginal to PP contact. Women can give it to each other when their genital areas touch. Only about 30% of people actually get tricky that have symptoms, including the itching, burning, or sore, you know, genital area. You might also see, you know, discharge that is off color from what you're used to. That might smell. Tricky is also treated with antibiotics, but it is important to get retested within three months of the treatment, uh, even if your partner has been treated as well. Now, this is the one that a lot of people are afraid of because there's not a lot of information that's given. And any of the information that is given, a lot of people are just like, no, no, I'm stuck with the, with the easy E. Oh, my God. HIV and AIDS. HIV and the, is, is the virus that causes AIDS. That's, you know, what everybody should understand. You don't get AIDS. It, you know, AIDS happens through HIV, you know. It's passed through bodily fluids, such as blood, semen, vaginal fluids, and breast milk. You can get it by having vaginal or anal intercourse with an infected person without a condom 
or by sharing a needle with somebody who is infected. You can't get it from kissing or saliva. That's just so everybody knows. If you kiss somebody with HIV, you're not going to get HIV. That's not how it works. Symptoms of HIV are kind of vague. They can kind of feel like a flu with muscle aches, fatigue, slight fever. You could also lose weight or have diarrhea. The only sure way to tell if you've been infected is to get your saliva or blood tested. HIV can take years to destroy your immune system past a certain point. Your body loses its ability to fight off the infection. There's no cure for HIV, but there are drugs on the market that help people with HIV to live very long, relatively normal lives. So even with that, you know, the the one that people are really afraid of, I mean, I don't think I know anybody that wakes up and they're just like, I want to get HIV. But if that's your situation, again, it's not the end of your life and it's not the end of anything. You're still not any less of a person. You know, I want to go over the... Um, the testing, the testing phases when you should get tested. You know, this diagram is from Healthline. So for gonorrhea, you want to get tested between 2 to 30 days after exposure. For tricky, between 5 and 28 days after exposure. Chlamydia, 1 to, two, one to 3 weeks, 2-3 weeks after exposure. Syphilis is a little bit, I don't know, syphilis is a really long, it's a pretty lengthy scale, but... 10 days to 3 months after exposure. Herpes is 2 weeks to 3 months after exposure. Hepatitis B, 3 weeks to 2 months after exposure. HIV, between 4 weeks and 3 months after exposure. And hepatitis C, anytime up to 6 months after exposure. The CDC did release that its latest estimates indicated that 20% of the U.S. population, U.S. population, I don't know about the world, U.S. population, approximately one in five people had an STI on any given day. One in five. All right? With all of the information that I just went over, it's important to understand that people are no less of a person with an STI. And the mental effects of the stigma that quickly runs through our population is equivalent to placing the red A on someone's collar and shaming them. It's fucked up. When just about anyone, anyone that's sexually active, can contract an STI. Even with being safe and wearing a condom. The finger pointing and the shaming and the name calling and everything else along with it should end. They say the best way to not contract an STI is to simply remain abstinent. Not fuck people, emotionally or otherwise. So if you're that afraid, you know, of an STI or you're one of those people that are on the spectrum is like, no, you're less of a person if you have an STI. Don't have sex. That's the only, don't have sex with anybody. Just kind of sit off on the sidelines and, and work on, on personal reflection. If you contract an STI or if you've ever, if you've, you know, you can contract an STI even if you've only had one partner. You know, I have to. If you have a husband, right, let's just say you have a husband, that's your first and only person, your husband or wife, let's just say steps out on the marriage and sleeps with somebody else, they have an STI, then they come back and they give that shit to you. Well, I only had one partner, I can't get, doesn't matter. It's so common, STIs are so common that you'd think by 
you know, this juncture in societal development, we'd understand that sex still, that, that sex aside, you know, if you have a lot of sex or you don't have sex, it doesn't make you any less of a person. It doesn't make you any less valuable. It doesn't make you any smarter or less intelligent than anybody else. You're not a bad person because you caught an STI. You're not less lovable. You're no less of a person than someone who doesn't have an STI. There's a lot of people out there that are genuinely struggling with feelings of self-worth and self-love because of the stigmas and shame that go along with STIs. And while I must admit that at one point I did feel the same, I no longer can sit here and say that I feel that way anymore. Having a chance to feel that level of shame that I casted upon myself and fear of potentially being judged by others around me or potential partners or family, etc. Right? The anxiety that's surrounding STIs, either potentially catching them or currently having them, is a real thing that can cause problems with intimacy and self-image. It can cause an unbelievable amount of anxiety and fear. Being able to get down to the real reason of why this topic produces fear is a great way to move through it. On one hand, we look at the individual who has the fear of catching an STI, but doesn't cease regular sexual activities. Let's dissect that for a second, because I used to feel this way. I'd have to say psychologically, it may have a lot to do with the person with, with personal insecurity. If you already have a feeling of insecurity with being able to secure a solid relationship with someone for whatever reason, the feeling of having a, sex, uh, a sexually transmitted infection, STI, can perpetuate that fear of disapproval from not only potential partners but family. You think about all the ways it can personally, personally devalue you. How do we begin to shift from that state of mind though? My personal opinion would be introducing logic into your anxiety-ridden mind, which is what I did. What are the facts of STI? Would I get myself treated if I did catch an STI? Am I having honest conversations with potential partners before sex so that I don't have any surprises? All of these questions would be answered as such, or should be answered as such. Yes, I would get treated for my health. I will be okay no matter what. Yes, I am having honest conversations with potential partners before sex so that I'm not surprised. My worth is no less by any of these factors. On the other hand, we look at individuals who has or has had an STI and is working through the value of their worth. Dissecting this very jumbled thought process can be difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The mind is a liar. Even knowing something doesn't make sense, the mind will make it make sense. Understanding that struggling with anxiety and self-worth can mean the voice telling us lies over and over and over again and not getting any peace. It can be a really tough thing to battle with. Over a thousand voices, the liar speaks the loudest. How do we discern the truth from a lie in the mind? Very simple. The voice of truth, and this is when you ask yourself a question. The voice of truth very calm and peaceful, just as I'm talking now. 
The voice of a lie is angry, loud, and intrusive, and repetitive, and negative. I urge those of you that are struggling with this to sit down and speak to yourself in these instances. Tossing up things in your mind to ask yourself the important questions. Am I still a value? Yes. Am I any less of a person? No. Am I important to those that matter in my life? Yes. Will someone who cares about me genuinely see me any less than before this? No. I must stress that you are not lying to yourself in these cases. You are speaking the undeniable truth. Someone who cares and loves you genuinely will not see you as any less of a person because you have an STI or had an STI. Giving yourself that spiritual hug, that mental hug by answering and asking these questions, right, every day will help recenter your mind. It's like a course corrector. Going to talk therapy also helps too. You have to realize though that the point of talk therapy is for the therapist to help guide you to the answer by asking you targeted questions about your trauma that you have to answer yourself. The voice of reason is that which comes from your own mouth, from your own lips, from your own mind, in a very calm manner like I, like I just described, a very positive, calm answer. We know the truth as it pertains to our nature, the calm, honest, peaceful voice in our minds. This is something that you have to work hard for. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to seem so simple. And sometimes it will get very frustrating. But putting in that personal work and trying to remain easy on yourself, you can move through it. I want to end this episode with a positive message. I know we spoke a lot about a lot of stuff. I love you all. And while I'm not perfect and sometimes speak harmful things out of my own trauma, I'm consistently trying to work hard to be the best person I can for not only myself, but those who love me. And I want all of you to work just as hard because you're worth it. You are worth that hard work. You always were and you always will be. I want you all right now, take a seat somewhere. And I want you to close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and out. Try to relax your mind. Drop your tongue from the roof of your mouth. Drop your shoulders. And listen. You are love. You are worth it. You are special. You are whole as you are. You will get through this. And you will prevail. I want you all to have a wonderful week. And I will hopefully see you guys, uh, maybe not in a week. Oh. <laughs> get better at uh you know get back on my on my shit start posting 
Bye bye, guys.